0: Radioinfluence.com. Oh, he got him in the white trunks. He
1: hurt himself. Beautiful. Oh, God. That's beautiful. He's got it. Yeah. And he forced the top. Wow. And hey, here's oh, the missile. And it's all over. It's oh, all over. First round knockout. He's out. Rich Franklin retained his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Perception versus reality. This is a line that you hear me bring up here on the podcast on a frequent basis. And I'm going to get into that when it comes to Bellator drug testing in this episode of the May Report Podcast, as I am going to be joined by Mike Mazzulli, the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletic Regulations Director, also the president of the ABC, as when you think about Bellator in the last two years, who is a regular that has regulated a majority of Bellator events? That is Mike Mazzulli we're going to bring him on the show to talk about what is the perceptions and more importantly what is the reality of Bellator drug testing? That interview come up here very shortly. It is Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022. This will be the first of two episodes that are going to drop this week on Friday. Dale Galvan will join me. We'll talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, we'll get you ready for uh, next weekend's UFC event. Of course, there is no UFC event. This week, no Bellator event. This week, no PFL event. This week, PFL uh, did make some news uh, since the last time we've done a show myself and Daniel. We'll get into that on Friday's edition of the podcast. But really wanted this show to be about Bellator drug testing. And what really got me thinking of why I wanted to do this was about, uh, I would say, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. On Twitter, I uh, quote tweeted a MMA junkie tweet where it was in relation to comments that Kat Zingano had made about Chris Cyborg. And to summarize what my tweet was, was essentially just saying there's more drug testing in Bellator happening than people realize. It's not USADA level. So I don't want someone to think about this. It's not USADA level testing. And so... Basically, you know, I started interacting with somebody and they said, you know, hey, would you like to hear proof? And so that's where in my mind I went, you know what? Let me bring on somebody that knows exactly the reality of drug testing. And he does in-competition drug testing. He also is out of competition drug testing. Most recently, he drug tested Raphael Stotz, Danny Sabatello, Patchy Mix for their fights that are coming up at the mohegan sun there in december so you're going to hear that conversation here in a moment of course i uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast great way to show your support for the podcast rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform or if you're watching some of the content we have over on youtube uh, subscribe to our youtube channel hit that like comment all that that really does help us out a ton as well and you know before we get into the conversation with with mike in terms of bellator drug testing one of the things about Bellator drug testing, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people, and I think we all know what the perception is of Chris Cyborg. And I was thinking about this. Is there a fighter who is more in terms of perception after a failed test gets it as much as Chris Cyborg does? A failed drug test was in 2009. I don't know what really happened. Only Chris Cyborg knows what truly happened. But she has been, she's probably the most f- drug tested fighter in our sport over the last decade. I, I don't know if, if a lot of people would deny that. To me, I think she probably is the most tested fighter over the last decade in this sport. But it's interesting how that perception has never gone away from her, but the perception goes away for other fighters. I just thought that was interesting. Kind of something I want to bring up here. But let's get into my conversation with Mike Mazzuli as we talk about the realities of drug testing in Bellator. Mike, uh, appreciate you coming on the show as uh, beginning of the show. I was talking about this of of really where this came from for me was a tweet that I got. And, you know, on the podcast all the time, I talk about perception versus reality and Bellator drug testing is something that I feel like the reality of what happens with Bellator drug testing just isn't out there, and when we talk about the last two years, when we talk about the regulars yourself, Andy, other regulars around the country, you're the guy who's regulated the most, and I know from our conversations that a lot of Bellator drug testing is happening, and now look, it's not a level, so I don't want to, someone to think it's that, but there is a lot of Bellator drug testing going on. I know that you recently just did out competition testing for Danny Sabatello, Raphael Stas, Patchy Mixer, all coming to your card, so uh, kind of talk to people about what is the reality of the drug testing that you're doing for the Bellator events that you're regulating?
0: Well, first, thanks for having me, uh, Jay. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I have to tell you, I do a lot of drug testing. I'm not necessarily out in front on the drug testing per se. Like I'm going to uh, announce who's positive, who's negative. But um, I mean, over the years, I've done a lot. And, and often, not often, but on occasion, there's a positive. And you don't hear about it. The press doesn't hear about it. I'm somebody that supports the fighters and you know at the end of the day i wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the fighters so you know uh, i find them i suspend them it happens now in the future maybe i will go a little more public with it you know like i'm going out right now we did test mix sabatello um um Stotts, uh and they're all negative i also tested uh, ben henderson and queely before the fight uh and they were negative too so you know i don't go out publicly but i do do i do two different processes the first one is i fly there and i test um i see him peeing a cup a fine example is y'all romero i've tested him i'd probably say five times all right four or five times since he's with bellator Uh, in competition out of competition a little bit of both um the second thing is what i recently did with uh, the mixes and the uh, hendersons and and um that group um what I do is I go through Quest, and we use Smyrtle Lab as well. Um, Quest does the, the collections. I'll give a call to, hey, Jay, this is Mike Mizzouli. Uh You got 48 hours to find a, uh, a Quest lab. Here is your QR code. So it's amazing. I do everything over uh, online. Uh, I actually I would text, text you the QR code and say, walk into uh, a lab, uh, a Quest lab. Provide me a picture of you at the quest lab with it, with the person taking the, the, sample. And, um, I track everything right on the computer nowadays. It says the date it's collected, the time it's collected, gets sent out to a quest lab. Then it gets sent over to Smyrtle for, for the, um, for the testing of uh, illegal steroids and uh, masking agents. So, um, you know, we also do IR, IRMS tests, HTH tests. Uh, uh, let me get the other one to, growth hormone release factor tests. So we do it all, you know, and and every once in a while we will have a positive, but you as the press and, and, and everyone out there doesn't see the positives because I don't think it's fair. I'm not here to, you know, uh, ruin somebody's career. I'm here to make it fair. And uh, like I always say to the fighters when I do the rules meetings, you both are getting into the, the cage with the same chance of winning, you know, and I think that's why I love MMA so much. It's a one-on-one. You know, there's no team, you know, it's not – Touchdown, Tom Brady throwing a touchdown because he's better than, you know, another quarterback. It's you guys are both going in with the same chance of winning. And if you're better than your opponent, you're going to win.
1: Yeah, there's actually a quest lab right down the road from from one of my offices. So they're out there. Um, You know, I I think the other part of this is talking about is and I know me, and you literally had this conversation about a week ago about the type of drug testing and that it's the water code.
0: Correct. So you have WADA and you have VADA. We use the WADA code. Now you have in competition and out of competition. The easiest way to explain this to um, you and, and the general public is in competition, out of competition, we don't test for marijuana. There's other um, drugs we don't test for either, but this is just an easy, easy example. Um, out of competition, I don't care if you're smoking marijuana it's your dis- discretion. It goes back to Joe Warren when he was in Colorado and I tested him and it was legal in Colorado for the first state. and he was positive out of competition. What do you do? Well, it's not illegal, so it's not against the rules. But forward to in competition. I tested um, Yoel Romero, I tested um, Manoff, I tested Queeley, and I tested Henderson in competition two weeks ago. You know, I, I actually am there. I actually do it or one of my inspectors do, do it. We send it out to the Smyrtle lab in um, Utah, and uh, that's uh, a, a lab that actually does all the testing for the U.S. Olympics uh, teams, um, and we do test for marijuana, and our uh, our regulation is just like if you're a DOT worker in the state of Connecticut, over 150 nanograms of marijuana in your system, um, you're considered, um, you're unable to operate a vehicle in, in the state of Connecticut. So we do test for that, we never have that problem. I asked Dr. Schwartz many years ago about when would the person smoke marijuana or ingest marijuana to come up with that 150 nanogram? And he basically said to me, Mike, it's within like 18 hours of the test. I mean, you really have to you know, be, be smoking a lot of uh, marijuana right before you get in the cage. So we do test on that. Um, We also do test a lot of masking agents. Um, A lot of kids are on um, medications for ADHD. We don't test out of competition for that, but in competition we do. So I get a lot of phone calls from fighters saying, hey, you know, um, I'm I'm taking ADHD medicine. And my Dr. Schwartz, my Dr. Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz from the department Mm -hmm. said, just inform them they should stop taking it two days. The three days prior to fighting so it won't, it'll be out of their system i guess the half life in their system is very short compared to the marijuana and other other uh drugs so yeah. that's a big difference in competition out of competition
1: yeah that was actually one of the questions uh, that someone that sent me. michael's like saying is weed a thing anymore and how do things uh different from usada you know the weed thing to me and like i feel like and I know this is a conversation you have had of as more and more states, whether we're talking about, uh, particularly on the medical side of the equation of, is it, is it just simply more of that? You know, Hey, John Smith calls you up, goes, Hey Mike, I'm finding your place in three months, man. Hey, I've got a medical card. You know what? Do you just sit there and say, Hey, Hey, this is an exact science, but this is what the doctors tell me.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If it's out of competition, I don't i'm not concerned with it out of, out of those five fighters we fought that the five fighters i tested there was one that was positive for marijuana well listen it doesn't bother me i it, it, listen at this point it's so commonplace yeah you know if if it's if it's helping him to to be able to extend his career because i hear a lot of positives when it comes to um you know it helps pain it helps you know but in competition over 150 nanograms i have a problem with it
1: Yeah, that's exactly
0: I I told the fighter.
1: As someone who deals with back pain, CBD cream is like the greatest thing ever.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, right. Well, it's interesting you say that because I know there've been some studies out there where um, there's actually not even a study, but there there was a commissioner not not from around here, but was taking CBD cream just to see if if the person if she become positive Mm -hmm. after so many months, and she was. And, uh, of course, you know, so we really look at that as well. So, you know, CBD cream is not going to give you a, a ratio of over 150 nanograms in your body. You got to remember that too. You know what I mean? The day before the fight, you're going to have to digest the <laughs> CBD cream, I think, to get that, uh, that amount.
1: You, you, you mentioned about all the drug testing you're doing, how, how quick of a turnaround is it from when you get the results from the lab?
0: Well, that, that's a great question because the, the turnaround is not that, quick. Now, when it comes to out of competition, if I, like I drug tested, uh, those tournament fighters, um, two and a half weeks ago, and I it took about a week and a day to get the results back. And it's all about, um, you know, the, um, masking agents. It takes a long time. Um, the IRMS, uh, test, it takes a long time. Um, and the fact that it's all depending how, um, busy the Smyrtle lab is, you know, um, so they, they they get back to me fairly quickly uh, in competition it's about the same about a week um, I also well there's you know there's like I said there's two different processes for out of competition I show up make you pee in a cup or I send you to the quest lab and that'll take about a week and an extra maybe mm-hmm. a week and a half because quest lab does their drug testing and then they send it to um, Utah for the uh, Smyrtle lab to take over it and, and or they go to either the Utah Lab or the LA Lab which is the same thing. It's uh, it's uh, a Olympic qualified uh, drug testing lab.
1: Now, what some people may not know, I know this, is the fact of you're just not going to events that you're regulating, whether it's there at the Mohegan Sun or it's a Bellator event internationally. For those who don't know, Mike does all the regulations for the Bellator event overseas, but I know there's times that you've gone to Hawaii, you've gone up to the Dakotas, you've gone to California, and part of the reason you're there is a drug testing aspect.
0: Absolutely. And like I was saying, I think I will get a little more vocal with the testing. Uh, who we're testing, and uh, you know why I'm testing. Um, you know we go back to um, uh, Y'all Romero. I, I think I told you I flew down there three or four times to Miami and tested them. Uh, Cyborg I tested in in um, floor, uh, I tested her in Hawaii. I tested her uh, here at Mohegan, um, and they're all willing to test. I go back to um, uh, a lot of fighters want me to uh, provide their results. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, listen, show them that I'm not a drug user. You know what I mean? And that, and that's a big thing. So
1: I, I remember this was before you were regulating and Bellator international events. There was a fighter who was, I was told by several people was very furious. There was no drug testing at the event that they were fighting at. Right, because they they uh they had a lot of speculations <laughs> about right. their uh, about their opponent there. Uh, but yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've even uh you know I test uh, international fighters. Uh, Musashi's been tested six seven times in the same thing. I send a kid over to him and listen, walk into this lab over there in Holland and pee in the cup. Now it's a little more difficult because of COVID. What was going on with COVID? So I was doing a lot of in uh in competition testing. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it works out really well. You know, I'm, I'm not knocking on the door at 5 a.m. to their house, you know, like, um, like you know, so, yeah. some testing companies do. But with that said, they don't know when I'm going to be calling to say, hey, you got 24 hours to get to this lab.
1: I'm telling you, Mike, I want to interview that USADA rep that shows up at five, six o'clock in the morning. Cause I'm like, did you really sign up for this gig? Because I have to imagine you roll up to someone's house at five, six o'clock in the morning, probably not going to be too happier there.
0: No. Well, you know, I was surprised when they wanted to take blood out of, uh, I forgot who the fighter was, but it was at the weigh in or, or uh, yeah, right. Or Dave uh, during the fight. Uh,
1: that was um, Paul Costa.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just, it, my thing is you're not just affecting his psyche, you're affecting his, you know, his physical, his physical body doing that prior to a fight. I wouldn't, you know, I would never do that, but don't get me wrong. Peeing in a cup's different than taking blood, (laughs) you know, and it's the same. If to me, it's the exact same, you get the same results. That's what my doctors told me.
1: Yeah, um, you know, obviously you've talked about uh, Chris Cyborg. I think that's kind of become a big topic because Katzengano made, made some claims. And I know talking to you that, that Chris has been drug tested multiple times. I, I, feel, I, I feel bad for Chris because the, the, it goes back to that perception versus reality. I, I think the perception in this MMA online community is that she's not been tested, but she's been tested all the time.
0: It's, it, Andy Foster from California and I were talking about that two days ago. I talked to Andy every day. And um, we were saying that she has to be one of the most tested fighters ever. Listen, she came back positive. We know it. I mean, that, that you know, I don't know what the circumstances were. So, do I really look at that as well to see? You know, of course. I mean, you know, um, somebody that came back positive. I'm going to be a lot more cautious and test more often. I mean, you're, you're not. Uh, um, you, know, you you're innocent until proven guilty. In my book. But with that said, you're going to be tested and everyone gets tested at some point. Um, I go back to, um, oh, God, he's with the UFC now. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, he fought Eddie Alvarez many times.
1: Michael Chandler.
0: Yeah, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler used to post my tests He because he, he said to me, "Hey, <laughs> every single time people are set up, you know, he's another freak of nature. Every single Mm -hmm. time they're saying I'm full of steroids. And I tested him four or five times. He'd actually tweet out his own results because (laughs) he wanted to prove to everybody that he was negative. And I did it in person. I did it out of competition. I did it in competition and he's a good kid. You know, listen, he's just got, I wish I had that body for Christ's sakes. Right.
1: (laughs) I I think part of that story is when there is a positive. So obviously the a sample has been tested. Mm -hmm. So if, if the A test positive, obviously you're now going to get the B side uh, test as well. Once yep. that A side comes in, are you then calling the fighters representation to say, hey, just want to let you know, A side came back positive. We are testing the B sample now.
0: Absolutely. What we do is we do split samples. We do split samples. And I'll give you a fine example is James. He, 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 we tested him uh, out of competition. Um, he was fighting over in Paris. He was fighting. I'm going to draw a blank. Uh, the fighter for Bellator. Oh, gosh. But but anyway, let's move forward. Um, it came back positive. It came back ba- positive with just testosterone, HGH. Now, you have to be pretty stupid to think you're not going to get caught for HGH. Now, he's never fought in the level of, of a Bellator show. So big kid, nice kid, great kid. So the first sample came back positive. Um, I call them up, I say, this is Commissioner Mazuli calling, your results came back positive, this is what you are. Now, we have sample B, so there's two things we can do. We can have the Smyrtle lab rerun the test if you want, okay, or you can give me an independent lab that they will forward to, of course, chain of custody would be followed completely. Mm-hmm. They will forward that sample, part of that sample, or that whole sample, depending on what I say, to another lab for testing. Now, you have to remember sample A and sample B are from the same urine. It's some from the same time uh, the fighter peed. So it's not going to be a different outcome. You know what I mean? So most often the fighter will be like, you know, throw themselves on the sword and say, okay, you caught me. And that's what he did. He's like, so unfortunately he'll probably never fight for Bellator again because he was positive. It's their decision, not mine. And the second thing is, He's not have a good payday, you know. He lost a payday going to Paris fighting who was it? Well, anyway, Lewis. No, oh, I don't know who it was, but anyway, um, you know, it's it's and I suspended him for six months. I find him twenty five hundred bucks. Since then, he's given me a negative, uh, a negative result. Again, mm-hmm. I sent him to the lab I want him to go to. He was negative, and now he's back fighting. And it's it noted that- on the MMA registry that he was positive.
1: It makes me kind of think of this of. The fighter has to be licensed by you, correct, to be able to drug test him, or has Bellator given you to the the ability to drug test anybody they have under under uh, contract?
0: Absolutely, uh, uh, Bellator in their contract state that drug testing is part of the process, and you, I don't know what the exact language is, but it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else that the fighter has to be drug tested, and and I I, I commend Bellator. I mean, I hear a lot of noise. That you know, Mike Mussoli's in Bellator's pocket, la la la. And that's, I'm not in anybody's pocket, Jay. You know that, bro. Uh, <laughs> I
1: mean, this is what I, I like. Even if you weren't here, this is how I would describe you. You're a no BS kind of guy. <laughs> Everyone may not like you, but like you're by the book, and and, and you're gonna and you're gonna say it how it is. Some people aren't gonna like that, but I, I think it's one of those things of people know what they're getting when they're dealing with you.
0: And I hope that's the case, because at the end of the day, it's about the fighters. I mean, in my rules meetings, I say, "Hey, to the to the uh, all the uh, corners, I said, "Listen, I appreciate you all, you guys, but I don't give a shit. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, the fighters are the ones getting in the cage. You know, it, it, you know, they're putting their life on the line uh, for for a business that they love, that They love to fight. But um, I mean, most recently, about three uh, three fights ago, I got a phone call uh, at five a four thirty in the morning from somebody like basically trying to threaten me." And I was like, basically, you're 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 an asshole. You don't know what you're doing. You're a piece of shit. Leave the fighters alone. Blah blah blah. After about a ten minute rant, I hear his kids crying in the background, and so he was he was a young kid, and um, that was right after the um, the Sabatello fights, the, the fights that were here, and, and I was laughing. I'm like, you know, if you, I think I think more of you if you were a gentleman and picked up the phone and said, Hey, Commissioner, I got a problem with what you're doing. You know, but you know, I respect somebody more like that than somebody who's going to leave a, a threatening note that's going to you know email, uh, voicemail that's going to scare me like I was like I was a five year old I'm like get on get know this is the first time a so called fighter because he said he was a fighter mm-hmm. ever threatened me like that. Usually fighters appreciate what I do because they know hey listen I, I'm not, I know it's black and white. Missouri's not going to I don't give a shit if it's a kid that's starting out uh, amateur wise. Or you know, uh, Musasi, or a, you know, you know Yol, or, or Cyborg. It doesn't matter, you know. Sabatello, you know, they're, they're all good kids. Listen, I understand uh, they have to make money when you know, when they can, yeah. and I always tell these guys, you only have so many years in your career, so you better you better make it good.
1: No, no, no. Dan- Danny's actually one of my favorite guys. In interviews.
0: <laughs> He's, I, listen, I love Danny. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, love Stotts is great too. I mean, all these guys, a mix. You know they're just good guys, you know. And I always look out for the fighter, and you know, it, it's sometimes it's kind of frustrating because they don't even look out for themselves. Sometimes.
1: You just gotta tell the Mohegan bartenders you gotta have that vodka ready because he told me that's that's his go-to after the fight. He likes to go to <laughs> the vodka route.
0: <laughs> you know why? Because There's probably not a lot of uh, carbs in that. <laughs> I
1: right? guess so. You know, obviously, you know, me and you always have these conversations about the regulatory side, and we're coming off a, a fight car where Aaron Pico. Um, Arm issue. I don't think we. I think broken clavicle. I think was what was thrown out there. But
0: at the, at the end or no? Or no, believe- he was just looking, He went back on. I saw him on uh, Junkie. I think, and he said that was dislocated.
1: That's what he, he was talking. So obviously, his coach is trying to pop it back into place. From a like from a referee. What what is the referee supposed to do in that equation? Does he just like turn around and say do whatever you got to do or what?
0: Well, it, Blake is one of my referees too. Who who did that fight? And he's he, he's a top referee. He's also an ABC uh, training uh, referee for us. And he is really good. You know, I, I don't know what took so long. Um, I think maybe the doctor was letting him. I don't know. I didn't, but all I know is that you see him doing that. It's like, wow. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it did take a little long. And I kind of understand why. But, you know, me, I'd be standing up saying, Okay. That's enough. We're done. Right. I mean,
1: <laughs> Hey man, I, I, give Pico all the heart. He's ready to go out there. Five one arm.
0: Oh, listen, did you say put it back, put it back in this, uh, put it back in the socket. So he must have to get an operation or something going on with that. You know, yeah. he was on, he, he was interviewed after, uh, and I think, I think it was yesterday. It was on, on the, on the web. And he said that he had to get it, go to the hospital and get it put back in or something. So, um, but I've tested him a hundred times because he's he's a monster, you know, not a hundred times. But I tested him a couple yeah. times. You know he's a freak. You know. Um, so I, what do you think? You think it'd be worthwhile for me to go more public with these these tests? Because I have always aired on fighter, you know, fighter and being more fighter friendly. Because,
1: I, know, I, I, I being in the media side of this game. You know, you can sit there and say this fire. You know, tested. You know whether we use clean or negative. no negative is a word that yeah. you love to use. I think on the media side, I think clean kind of comes off like more of a, a fine way. I just don't think people care when it's a clean test or a negative test. You know, they're they're looking for that that positive test or whatnot. And you know, I I know that you're doing. There's way more drug testing going on in Bellator than people realize. And that was kind of like why I wanted to do this is sit there and say, hey, this is happening. This is the process that's happening. And I mean, I know talking to Bellator fighters, they'll be like, I I remember doing an interview. Kind of forget who the guy was. He's like, yeah, man, they, they were here like three hours ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, and like, and like, I've heard all the Usada stories, and yeah. you know, most of the fighters will say like the Usada reps are really cool, you know, and like there was a story Dustin Jacoby was telling me a couple weeks ago where he always goes to strength conditioning at six a.m. and it's in his whereby policy, and he's like, I was just running late that day, and uh, uh these US- Usada rep calls me, he's like. Hey man, I'm at the gym. He's like, Hey man, I'm running like 10 minutes behind. He's like, all right, cool, man. I'll, I'll be waiting here for you. You know? And he and yeah. basically kind of insinuated. He's like, he's like, once you're, when he goes, I just, I'm here in, in Colorado. I don't leave. I train here. I live here. And he goes, yeah. it's the same testing rep. He goes, so you do kind of create a little bit of rapport of like, you know, it's yeah. not like, Hey man, you, you say you're going to be here. Not here. Here's a, a whereabouts failure. They're really good with that. Of like, okay, Hey, all right, cool. You're here in 10 minutes. And usually when they like the big gyms, they know they're just going to sit there and test a bunch of guys. So they all know where they're going to be there.
0: I, I think my biggest Concern and, and some of the fighters don't care, but I make them sit there and watch me And the process that we use is black and white. Mm-hmm. So um, they can't sit there and say that, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't see you put the put the sample in in the two tubes. And then we put a, a label over the top, the two tubes, label A and B with the fighter signatures on it um, with, with the date on it. And then we put it in a bag. Uh, with the paperwork and actually I actually have paperwork right here. This is from. I don't know if you can see that, but this is the paperwork that we utilize for this, for this laboratory uh, information. You know what I mean? And it, it Smyrtle is so, it's so crazy that Smyrtle does not want to know who they're testing. Okay. I, I, it's
1: funny you said that, cause I was going to mention that. Cause I yeah. remember, I, I remember somebody at some that. point.
0: So the first, the first one is my, my copy. All right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the second one is the fighters The fighter signs it can you see it no um is that better here yeah yeah so the fighter signs it and everything okay and he lists what the drugs he's utilizing you know if he's taking whatever medication he's taking and this last one gets sent in in the um gets sent in the package and if you see down bottom it's Mm -hmm. blacked out where the signature is yeah so what i utilize is i utilize a sample code number and my sample code number is just the fighter's first and last name and their federal id mm-hmm. everyone's got a federal id yeah. so um you know there's a process that we utilize so it's not like we're going in there blind saying here you know go pee in this cup and let's you know let's put it in a little uh, tupperware b- bottle and send it out yeah. you know there's you know and i want to make sure the fighters understand that when you give us a sample nothing's going to happen to it you know what i mean yeah. Um, uh, We we put it in a closed bag. We put the the last sheet in there, and we we send it out to Smyrtle overnight, and uh, and, and two other. Bo- we put it into two different boxes too. Mm-hmm. So there's a box and box. So you know it works out really good.
1: Something I want to mention as we close here. You mentioned you talked when you're talking about Blake and and being a certified trainer. I think that's one of the things people don't understand about. You know, obviously, there's a lot of criticism that comes down anytime there's a a, a questionable stoppage by a referee or or, or questionable action, or um, you know, there's a, a bad judging scorecard. But you know, one of the things I know when talking to you is the fact of there's there's continual education that's happened for you know these people that are judging and refereeing fights all throughout the country.
0: Oh, listen, we just uh, we're just in the process of finishing. Um a deal down, going to Arizona. We just went to Texas. Um, they're going back to Andy. Andy has in his um, in his uh, in his regulations that the the referees and judges have to go through ABC training once a year or so. Now the mm-hmm. COVID issue kind of slowed everything up, but um, you know, same with New York. Um, you know, same with Florida. We were down in Florida doing training. So, I mean, in there, Florida wants us back in February, the ABC in February. So, I mean, we have Kevin McDonald. We have Blake Grice. I mean, Dan Margliotti. We have some amazing trainers, you know what I mean, in uh, boxing and MMA. Don't forget the boxing end of it. Jack Reese, which is a world-renowned referee. Dwayne Ford. Jay Nady. Um, so, I mean, we have uh, Steve Weisfeld, to me, is probably the best in the boxing industry when it comes to judging. So we do, you know, we do it. And I go back to D- uh, Dean Thomas coming to the ABC meeting in Buffalo. He was shocked. And he said to me, Mike, I cannot believe how detailed oriented you are on this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, um, we're hoping we're 99.9% sure we're going to the Mirage next year for the ABC meeting. Uh, Jeff Mullins, a good friend of mine, and I'm happy he's the executive director. Um, he actually used to. Judge for me in two thousand three, two thousand four, when uh, UFC was out here, you know. So Jeff and I go back a long way. I started that. I think I was like twenty. I think I was thirty two years old back then. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened. Okay? I don't know what happened. But I'm still at it, so I guess that's a good thing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing the story about Dean. Like, like, he had he present he worked for like weeks on this presentation to give, and his he was fine. I want to say he went from like either Vegas to Charlotte or Miami well, to Charlotte.
0: Charlotte. Yeah, Miami to Charlotte.
1: His, his flight got canceled, and he ran a car. He,
0: he called w- me eleven o'clock <laughs> at night, said, "Hey, Mike, I'm getting in a car. I'll be there eleven a.m." He drove through the night. You see that's his like,
1: like dedication.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you too. He came up and he presented. Open scoring to the body, and he was very, very articulate. Very, mm-hmm. very, it was very interesting. You know, I said to him afterwards, I said, "This may not happen tomorrow, but if you keep bringing up the fact that you think it's a good idea, well, we're going to look at it." I don't like the idea. I don't think it's. But with that said, he was he was great. You know, I, I was really happy he showed up, and now I got a new friend. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's one of those things with open scoring that, like, sometimes I I try to put myself in in a a promoter's shoes, and particularly a promoter that has a national television deal, national streaming deal. I'm sitting there going, God, I just don't think they want it. I think they want that drama. Um, you know, plus being on the production side of radio, I understand that you could sell some advertising uh, in between the 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 fight ending and the judge's scorecards being read. But like I did find it very interesting when when Andy was on Ariel's show he said, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll incorporate this into our amateur program and we'll kind of see you know, how it goes.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way he spoke and the way, I mean, he was, I I thought it was a very great, I thought it was a great presentation. You can get off the, if anybody wants to see what he said, go to the YouTube ABC um, convention and uh, you can pull it up and listen to him. He was, he was very articulate. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, My biggest thing is I like the, I like the drama of it. I also, I get concerned with the judge. You know, there's enough scrutiny with these judges already. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about what, you know, everyone wants to be a judge. I mean, there's people out there that you see me supporting. I, I don't. I,
1: I don't. I don't. I do but not want to be in that seat. There is not well, a, like because I, I there, Those guys for the scrutiny they get, especially when we're talking about a UFC, Bellator, PFL yep. type level, like what they're being paid and the scrutiny they're going to get online, pff, it's not worth it.
0: L- listen, I I get it afterwards we, we do a pre-fight and a post-fight meeting with the judges and i actually sit there you, you've seen me where i'll judge along to the point where and i'll get i'll get a tv come up be asking me the question in the middle of a round they don't do it anymore because they know i tell them get the hell away from me and they're like <laughs> i, I want to support my officials yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? that's what i want to do and at the end of the day we'll, we'll go over the scores and i always have um you know Either fighter A, fighter blue red, or a question mark. And if it's a question mark, it's so in my eyes, it's so close that I don't know who really won that round, or I don't want you know. I, I so with that said, we usually go over that, and I got to say, ninety five percent of the time, all the the three judges have either fighter A or fighter B winning. I mean, you know, so they know who won that round. There was something there that won that round.
1: Um, I, yeah, I remember back uh, when Bellator did their pay per view in Memphis back in the day. And the, it was Chandler and Brooks was a co-main event and it was a very close fight. Like literally you went down media row. Boring.
0: Was it boring? Yeah, it was I mean, the most it was exciting. exciting right? Um,
1: but Rob Hines was one of the judges refereeing. And I want to say Todd, or uh, no, he was one of the judges. I want to say okay. Todd Anderson was one of their judges. Cause I remember talking to uh, Rob after the fact. And he said, he goes after the fights were over, he goes, he goes, I went over to Todd because we had different scorecards. And yeah. I said, "Hey, what did you see?" And basically, trying to see, "Hey, did he see something that I didn't see?"
0: Yeah. Well, I, I go. I go to that that one fight I remember at Mohegan. Um, it was Nelson versus um, oh God, the uh, the big Giants football player. God, why am I losing
1: my brain? oh Matt Mitrione,
0: Matt Mitrione, and uh, Nelson had Mitrione in in a um, in in a. Uh, crucifix on the other side of the, on the other side. And Todd Anderson was right in there. Dave, Dave Torelli was right in front of him and gave him uh, a 8 round. And everybody else gave him 10 nines, including myself. And Nelson lost the fight because it would have been a draw if it was a 8. and Nelson lost his effing mind. And I said, that's the difference between where you're sitting as well. So there's a lot of things that go into judging. And I don't think people understand that people don't understand that what goes on when you're a judge, and listen, my judges make $1,600 when they travel. It doesn't matter if they're over in Milan, Italy, or if they're at Mohegan. Like Eric Clone drives up here and gets 1600 bucks. He flies to Milan, Italy, he gets 1600 bucks. It's worse being a judge now than it is a referee. There's no doubt in my mind. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. I, here, Here's my fear with open scoring. I'm not saying this would happen. Here's my fear. You're a judge, and... You're somewhere near the corner where you win against them, and one of those cornermen gets pissed, and now yeah. you have a verbal altercation, and now that judge can't do his his job for the next round.
0: Because he's that's a fi- that's a fine point, you know. I, I you know, I know in the WBC in boxing does. You go to the corners and you say uh, instead it's like a semi-open scoring. You go to the corners and say you're winning two out of the three rounds, or you're losing. Um, you're winning one out of the two rounds, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, going into the third round whatever it is. And um, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. I, I like the way it is right now. Um, it's hard enough for these judges, but.
1: I just, I don't, I think if you sat there and you got an honest answer out of Dana White, an honest answer out of Scott Coker, or an honest answer out of Don Davis of the PFL, I think PFL may be a little more open to it. Okay. I just, I really don't think the UFC and Bellator would, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think that I just, uh, this is my perception of the situation. Dana and Scott, they're old school guys. Yeah, you know they want yeah. to keep it the way it is.
0: I think, I, again, I think it's it's difficult for the judges to do the job. It's now is it going to be easier if we have open scoring? Absolutely not. I mean, you're going to have the crowd part of it. You know, you, you know, him and Han and. <clears throat> I think it's a difficult. You,
1: the funniest thing, though, is how many fighters I talk to. I will say, "Hey, will you want to be a judge when you get done?" They're like, "Nope, nope."
0: <laughs> Listen, I hear you know. You heard about when Cruz lost his mind, and I, I supported the supported the judges. I mean, they don't even know that you know Derek Cleary's like a uh, black belt in jujitsu, and uh, I think he's got two belts and black belts and yeah. karate. And you know, Eric Colón's got his own gym. You know. Dave Peabody, same thing. A local, well, not a lo- he's not a local guy. He's traveling with me now because he's doing so well. But you know, he's a black belt in karate and and, and uh, roles as well. And D- Brian Miner, and it's just you know, don't don't you know. My thing is commentators, and I appreciate what they did with the UFC commentators, and I do see a real difference mm-hmm. in the way some of them act towards judging. Yeah, and you know, DC, um, Abisman. You know, sometimes they get the stuff wrong, like they don't articulate it properly, but at least they're stepping back and saying, "Geez, that was a pretty close round."
1: Yeah, I remember, remember the that? the weekend they did that um with the UFC broadcasters. And I remember like it was like the next week cuz Bisming's one of the podcasts I like to listen to in MMA. And he yeah. was like he's like, "Look, he goes, it opened my eyes." It he goes, "There he goes, there's a lot of things that we just think" And he goes, and we were now in a room where I want to say Sal was the one um, kind of leading it from a judging perspective, as I recall. And he's like, I could sit there now, have a conversation of like, okay, here's how they're judging fights. And he said, he goes, "It, it made my job easier to understand okay that's what they're looking for but i think and i know cormier's kind of talked about this he says he he'll struggle with the fact of okay i'm thinking about what a judge is but ultimately i'm being paid to talk about what i'm seeing inside the ring
0: right that's tough i mean i i even now in my rules meetings at the weigh-ins i talk to the um, fighters and we talk about the three d's you know what i mean damage dominance and duration you know what i mean that and that's and I say to them, if you damage your opponent more than you get damaged, you're going to win the round. It's simple yeah. as that. You know what I mean? And, and they appre- I've had fighters come up to me, appreciate it, because because they're like, I appreciate explaining that to me because I don't really know how I thought I won that round, but I didn't. And and there's criteria we use. It's not like the ABC and these judges are just saying, oh, we like Jay. He really won that round because I like oh. him. I mean, there's, there's processes that we use to judge a fight just like in the national football league the rules and regulations in how your your Tampa Bay Buccaneers score yeah. a touchdown
1: like i correlate to is me coming from an nfl background is you have the competition committee and to me, it's no different than what your MMA rules and regs committee is on the ABC. It's like something happens, whether it's in a show like Belt or UFC PFL or hell, maybe it happens in some regional show where you live that you see and then you sit there and go, OK, how can we make this sport better? I mean, like I always find myself, I learned something like it was, I don't know, two months ago where uh, it was a, a, a prelim fight in the UFC. Um, it was a female matchup. And fire goes, she tapped, she tapped. Referee doesn't see it. And then I didn't know this rule. And then I, I later learned this legit rule where then the referee starts questioning all the judges around the cage. And it happened to be Ron McCarthy was right there. And Ron goes, yep, she tapped.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, we try to all work together. You know what I mean? We, we really do to, to make the sport the best it can be, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, look, there's always times, I know I can always pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, man, uh, can I get the regular uh, point of view here? <laughs> well, listen to this one. So
0: Andy and Nevada and, and Jeff and Kim were really into neoprene sleeves. I hate that. I hate the idea of having a neoprene ankle wrap, right? Mm-hmm. But just to be a team player, I said, I said you guys – because. It's so much easier for me to stand up in the rules meeting. And say there'll be nothing on the knees, ankles, elbows. Only tape is on the hands. That's it. No tape. No neoprene sleeves. No nothing. But so many fighters are used to pr- training with the neoprene uh, wraps. Fine example. Yeah. Two. Um, was it Saturday night? Um, somebody had a pink pink neoprene sleeves on. The kid that fought um, the co-feature at Bellator, uh, that redheaded kid. Um,
1: oh, Spike Carlisle.
0: Yeah, he fought AJ. Yeah. And he had neoprene sleeves. So we're a lot we all voted. So now I have to change I changed my rules and regs to allow it. Do I like it? Absolutely not. But we want to be uniform on behalf of the fighters. It's it's easier. But if you looked at those neoprene sleeves that night, they were sliding all over the place. There was absolutely no reason to have those on. They weren't doing shit for him.
1: I forget who it was. Because I remember I was watching the the meeting live, and someone pointed up the fact of could it be a competitive advantage for a grappler if it's a grappler versus striker where that grappler could then use that as leverage to keep their opponent on the ground? Mm-hmm. It might, it, why do I feel like it was Andy who brought that point up?
0: It very Well, the interesting thing is it could be, but you're doing it to yourself, right? You're yeah. wearing it because you want to. It's not like you were saying you have to wear them. So yeah. that's, that was I don't like. Yeah, Andy and I we went running around. Round. He's like, "Come on, you know him. Come on, Michael." Oh, oh no, no,
1: no! I f- I forget. I forget. It was it was one of the commissioners in the background was like, "Well, should they be an independent color?" We don't like. It was almost like they were saying, "We don't want to confuse the judges." I'm like, "If we're worried about knee sleep colors, oh my god, we're in trouble."
0: It, it was funny because I was texting uh, Andy and Mark Ratner a couple days afterwards because. Um, Somebody had a neoprene sleeve on their on their knee, but it was long. I said that doesn't look right to me. There's got to be a length requirement. You, you can't have a <laughs> neoprene string the length of your leg, right? Yeah. And, and Andy and I, Andy was like, you know, it was, it was interesting. So I don't know. We but, did do it,
1: <clears throat> but for people, beautiful. yeah, but if people don't know the backstory. Andy talked about this at the meeting where he said he had to make a decision literally 30 minutes before a UFC pay-per-view main event. Yes. And he's, and he talked about, this is where kind of it all, it kind of goes back to uh, the the analogy I was using before the competition committee. NFL. We see something happen on Sunday. How can we fix that rule? And Andy talked about, he's like, he goes, I had to make a, a decision. He goes, I've got a heavyweight title fight that's walking in a half hour. And now yeah. I've got a fighter and my, and my inspector saying, can he wear this?
0: Yep. Yeah. Listen, it happens all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't like to, I'm happy that I was able to shoot down the tape end of it. You know what I mean? Somebody said, well, put two, two, uh, uh, strips of, uh, tape on his ankle. Absolutely not. Then you get into all of a sudden there's four <laughs> strips and all of a sudden it's a cast and like, no, I said this is where I'm, I'm 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 standing my ground on this one, boys and girls. That's what I said.
1: I feel like if you had a conversation with an inspector, I'm pretty sure they could give you some really interesting stories about uh some of those oh, things they? that have message.
0: Yeah, hey, listen, my inspectors catch guys spinning uh spinning tape between their you know, between their knuckles and everything. You know, and if it's up high then you worry about you know, you worry about damage and cut and everything if it's yeah. So, and that's some of the Bellator tape guys were trying to do that. And We caught them. And just don't do it. You know, just, and they're used to doing it different places. And yeah. so, it, it, these, I would, that's where I started off. I always tell, I was the P boy at the beginning. I was collecting <laughs> urine, for at age 26, 27. So, uh,
1: yeah, I don't think people realize how many people are really working on that. Like when you go to a event you see it. There's there's a lot of people. It's just it's no different from me working a football game. There's there's yeah. there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are doing a lot of things people just don't see.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think I have the best staff around and you know, Kim and Andy and I go back and forth and Jeff, but I, I know I do. You know, I got the best doctors around and uh, I've been working with them for what
1: twenty six years. So it's
0: but I hope I helped you out at all with uh, some.
1: Uh, you did. You did. I'm sure everyone, everyone, everyone will appreciate it. Of course, as always, Mike, man, uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man.
0: All right, brother. You be safe and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Appreciate Mike coming on the show to talk about the realities of Bellator drug testing and appreciate him not just coming on to talk about drug testing. We're talking about some of the regulatory side of the stuff there. Talk about referee and judging, open scoring, which we all know is a hot topic in this board of mixed martial arts, but uh, you know, hopefully you, you learn a little bit something there. That's what I wanted this podcast to be about is learning about what is happening. How, what's the process like, you know, he talked about right there at the beginning of the conversation of talking about the fact of, you know, calling the fires up and telling them where they need to go. If, if he's not there to, to drug test them in person or, you know, whatnot, send the QR code. I didn't know about that QR code aspect. That was something I learned in terms of this episode. I I just figured that he probably, he just called him up and said, Hey, here's a lab where where you live, go to that lab. But I learned a little bit there with comes to the QR code. And, you know, look, it's this episode to me, it was just about of, of wanting to get the information out there of what is happening with Bellator drug testing. And take it however you want to take it. I I don't, uh, this podcast to me is not going to end the perception on drug testing in Bellator, but I just thought that um, I wanted to let you hear from somebody that's doing the drug testing and let you hear exactly how they're doing it. So hopefully you took a little bit away from it. You know, I know a lot of people would love to see Bellator uh, and PFL for, for instance, to bring in a USADA level drug testing program and, it would be great to see, but also I would say this, if I was Scott Coker, if I was Don Davis, Ray stuff over to PFL, I don't know I would want to do that. And just because of, you know, you know, how much money that's going to cost you as a promotion to, to bring in that type of program. I'd rather invest that money in acquiring talent. And of course, PFL is acquiring talent. I just got an email earlier today that they're signing Aspen lad and which should be a shocker. I think it's not a shocker that, uh, that the UFC cutter, that, that that shouldn't be a shocker. I think we all kind of saw that one coming the way, way Dana talked about it. But, you know, it's it's just I wanted this episode to be about a situation where understanding what's going on, what the process is like. And the fact of Mike is, you know, and also you talk about things you learned in that conversation, learning that's in the Bellator contracts that Mike missouri can test them a drug testing partner program. I thought that was a really interesting, I'm going to have to uh, reach out to some managers, maybe see if I can get that direct verbiage, uh, you know, maybe see if I can find what that verbiage is. But I thought that was a really interesting nugget that Mike threw out there that's in or Contracts because, you know, when I asked about the whole licensing question, I was thinking back to, good Lord, this was probably... 2012, 2013, maybe somewhere in there when Vanderlei Silva had his issue with the Nevada Athletic Commission and he wasn't licensed by the commission there but they were trying to drug test him and and that's why I asked that question so hopefully you learned a little bit about that. As I mentioned this will be one of two podcasts to come out this week the next episode of the podcast will come out on Friday as I'll be joined by Daniel Calvon. We'll talk about everything going in the world of MMA. I'm sure we'll talk about what happened last weekend in terms of the UFC and Bellator events we'll have agree disagree which I know a lot People have told me they really loved that segment. Also, uh, we'll talk about the PFL announcing that their championships will be on pay-per-view this year. I definitely have some thoughts on that, but I want to have that conversation with Daniel. I think me and Daniel can have a a good conversation with that, but I do appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download, listen to this episode podcast. If you are listening to this, watch on Apple, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about it, share the podcast. Uh, And if uh, maybe you're watching some of the stuff I do over on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment hit that notification bell so you know when a new video is posted would appreciate that as well so i'll be back for you. the next edition will be on friday It'll be myself and daniel gavon talking about the latest and greatest in the world of mixed martial arts